want to hear some true ghost stories, real monster sightings, and the occasional creepypasta. Welcome. This is the Darkness Prevails podcast, and if you answered yes to the previous question, you've come to the right place. This is the audio library of the Darkness Prevails YouTube channel. Now, lock the door and light some candles. This night will be dark. Beware the water. This world is a strange one. Nothing is better during a hot summer than a nice, cool swim. But we seem to forget just how deep the water really is, especially when we are swimming in a lake or in the ocean. Water covers two-thirds of this planet, and every day, new, bizarre species are discovered from the darkness of these waters. So, even if your family has always come to the lake to cool down and relax, that doesn't mean there's nothing lurking in the water inches below your feet. Or maybe there's something just beyond the trees by the shore that is starving for delicious creatures that happen to be swimming in its lake. Time to get out of the water. Here are five true lake monster stories submitted by fans. Enjoy. Number one, Pale Lake Monster, submitted by Sinister. These experiences occurred at Lake Gogabic in Michigan from 1994 to 1996. I've lived in Michigan all my life and I've never been interested in moving anywhere else. My family is here. It is and always will be my home. During the aforementioned time span, I was accustomed to hiking along the side of the lake where the brush was thin enough to allow me to do so. There was some private property along the shoreline as well that I avoided by cutting through the woods and coming back toward the lake once I passed. I always wondered if people thought I was a bit creepy just bumbling through the woods alone. But I did wear a backpack and hiking boots, so I'm sure folks that did see me knew what I was doing. Anyway... In 1994, one Saturday morning, I woke up at about 5 when it was still dark out and got my stuff together. I packed some granola bars as I planned to have a peaceful breakfast on the edge of the lake while watching the sun rise. Nothing beats it. After a 30-minute drive, I was exactly where I wanted to be, under a rich green canopy in the faint shadows cast by a rising sun. But something felt different. I felt just wrong. Now, before I continue, you have to know, I had been walking in those woods and next to the lake at least 500 times before. I've never once had an eerie feeling while I was there. But that day, something was different. I felt like I was being watched. At least a dozen times I stopped to listen. I would look around and see no one and nothing out of place. Maybe I was still tired or something. Well, I kept walking and not long after... I swear, I heard footsteps behind me. I turned to see who it was, and there was no one there. The trees were still. There was no wind. I was alone. I started again, walking toward the edge of the water. I was starving and ready to have a seat to start eating. And again, those footsteps came from behind me. Who's there? I called out to the motionless forest that surrounded me. 
no one replied. Waiting for about 15 minutes, I stood as calmly as I could, but to be honest, I was starting to feel more and more uneasy by the second. After hearing nothing, I took a few steps toward a cozy-looking rock by the bank and sat down. I peeled the wrappers to my breakfast and had at it, taking swigs of bottled water in between bites and whistling a tune here and there. But what I didn't expect was to hear someone whistling that tune back to me. I stopped, almost choking on my granola. My body was covered in goose flesh as I slid around on the rock to face the forest. Still, there was no one there. Now more curious than afraid, I drank another gulp of water and whistled again. Once more, after a few seconds, the same tune was whistled back to me, plain as day. It was either my first time ever hearing an echo out on the lake, or someone was in the woods, hiding, trying to scare me. One last time, I whistled, expecting to pinpoint exactly where this mimicry was coming from. This time, the tune came from directly behind me. I fell forward off the rock and faced the direction it came from while crawling away backward. My heart was pounding out of my chest. All I was able to glimpse was a large splash in the water and the fleeting ripples thereafter. Without a moment of hesitation, I picked up my backpack and ran back to my truck. I didn't set out for Gogabik again for a few months. I was still spooked after that weird experience. Eventually, I did start my usual hikes again, and for the longest time, I didn't run into anything weird. But one day, in 1995, I did hear the footsteps again. But the moment I heard it, I turned tail and ran back to my truck. I was not about to chance it with something I couldn't even see. This final experience happened in the spring of 1996. This is the experience that confirmed that what was happening wasn't echoes, wasn't animals in the woods, and it wasn't some prankster trying to get to me. The following experience left me with nightmares still to this day. I had figured that if I just avoided that side of the lake, I'd be okay. So, this time, I parked my truck on literally the opposite side of it, and that's a big deal. Gogabik is the largest natural lake in Michigan. I was literally miles away from where all that other weirdness had happened. But that day, I had brought a sketch pad and a set of colored pencils. I had gotten into sketching scenery pretty recently, and using that medium really helped me to relax and forget my problems, at least for a moment. I was being extremely quiet. It's not like I was trying to be as quiet as I could. I was just focused and still. When the footsteps came out of nowhere, those all-too-familiar footsteps, I looked up ever so slowly in the direction they were coming from. I expected to see nothing, as I usually did. For so long, I've been hearing these footsteps, and for just as long, I have witnessed them coming from nowhere. Not today. No, this time, I saw something, and I can say for sure, this was no person. It was standing at the edge of the water, looking out over the lake. It looked hunched and thin, skin pale as a full moon, and the sight of it made my skin crawl. My heart seemed to stop. I prayed and prayed in my head, hoping the thing wouldn't see me. There was no telling how long that thing had been walking around over there, but God, 
even hunched, it was so tall. It stood at least three feet over me. I did not want to catch its attention, so I stayed put. I didn't move, and I barely breathed. For at least 30 minutes, the creature didn't move as it continued to stare at the water. Finally, it walked slowly forward, taking massive steps into the shallow water before the top of its head disappeared into it. Damn, I should have drawn it, but I was too afraid to move, and I couldn't make out too much of its face. I continued to sit and wait, breathing slowly. Underwater or not, it was too soon to start running. I waited another half hour just to be safe. My ass started to ache and the rock underneath me did not feel too great after a while. Eventually, I called it. It was time to get the hell home, ASAP. I slid my sketchbook and my pencil case into my bag and stood up. I turned back toward the trail. There it was, not two yards in front of my face. It stood staring at me. It was towering over me, yet still standing in the water. The face... God, that face. I finally got a good long look at it. Black, sunken pits were where its eyes should have been. And there was no nose, just wrinkled pink and pale skin, almost disgusting blue. And where the mouth was meant to be, there was an absence of anything. With its lacking eyes, it faced me. It stared at me. I slowly backed away, and yet its empty gaze followed me. I had no other choice. I had to run. It reached out to me with long, thin fingers that had no nails. Before they could touch me, I broke into my fastest possible sprint. I did not turn around. I did not glance over my shoulder. The moment I reached my truck, I opened the door, jumped in, and sped away. Since that day, I have not gone back to Lake Gogabik, nor do I plan to. Twenty years later, I am an old man, and I'm still very much afraid of that place. I do not know what I saw. I don't think I ever will. But I have passed these stories down to my kids and my kids' kids in hopes that they will have some sort of idea what's out there. No matter how smart people think they are, we don't know much about our own planet. There are creatures that elude us. Believe me. I came face to face with one. Number 2. Lake Washita Monster Submitted by Grenadine Arkansas has such a random climate. I've grown up here in southwest Arkansas, and the weather has never ceased to annoy me. For example, one year we might have a blizzard of snow, people unable to drive to work or power going out for a week. Then the next year, it might never get below 50. And the summers? Well, sometimes they are so moderate that you forget it's not spring anymore, and other times it gets well over 100. This happened to be a very hot year. My girlfriend and I had decided that it was too freaking hot to stay at home all summer, and I had the idea of going to Lake Washita to do a bit of swimming. Sure, it wasn't very close, but my family often went there when I was still living at home. It was one of the most beautiful places I'd ever seen. 
clear, cool water and forested islands throughout. So, I cashed in my vacation days, and we packed up some camping gear. I was ready for a nice, relaxing weekend. Camping would be a breeze with a homemade AC unit and an extension cord adapted to my truck's power outlets. The two of us had a lot of fun that first day. We swam in the morning, had some lunch, went fishing, then swam some more just before the sun went down. You just have to see the sun setting on a place like that. Just, wow. The serenity didn't last long, though. We both hopped up on an old wooden dock nearby and started drip-drying. We had our toes in the water. She was kicking her feet back and forth. I had made a joke about one of my angrier managers at work, and she laughed, when suddenly she just fell in the water. It happened so fast, I honestly thought she had fallen in. I waited for her to come up, laughing at her clumsiness. When she didn't come back up, my heart sank. I jumped in, calling her name effortlessly underwater. I didn't even think about holding my breath as I fought to keep my eyes open under the stinging water. It was too dark to see anything a foot below the surface. I started to panic. I kept thinking, she was dead. She was fucking dead and I'd never find her. Thrashing around in the water, I tossed my limbs around as I dived deeper, hoping I'd touch a part of her. And eventually, I did. I felt cold, hairless skin against my fingertips. Without another thought, I latched onto it and tugged. Immediately, it yanked back as if she didn't want to come back up for air. I was running out of breath. If I was almost out, I could only imagine what she must have been feeling. I pulled harder, but I had nothing to grip onto, no leverage. She slipped through my hands. She was gone. I came up for air. I think I was screaming at that point, but everything was so... so hazy. My eyes were darting around wildly. I don't know what I was looking for. But I found it. She was up on the bank about 30 yards away, all the color drained from her face. Gracie! I pulled myself up onto the dock and ran over to her. I hugged her, checked her, made sure she was alright. She didn't even react. Gracie was catatonic. What's wrong? What happened to you? I didn't mean to yell. I wasn't angry. I was more scared than I've ever been. I was also very confused about how I could have been holding onto her arm a few moments ago, yet there she was, sitting on the bank so far from where everything had happened. She didn't talk or move for hours. I tried to ignore it. I wanted to get her away from the water's edge, but she just kept staring into the nothingness. So, I built a fire near her and set up an extra tent. It wasn't really legal to camp out of the camping areas, but I didn't give a shit at the moment. Eventually, she got up and sat next to me by the fire. She was crying. Something pulled me under. Gracie started. I turned and stared into her eyes. They were bloodshot and shimmering with tears. Something grabbed my leg and it pulled me under. Then it just let go. I pulled myself up and swam to the bank. When I turned toward the dock, you were gone. What do you mean? I grabbed onto you under the water and tried to pull you up. But why did you pull away? She looked confused. Honey, you never touched me. 
At this point, my heart seemed frozen. What the hell had I grabbed? The skin was so smooth, and it was obviously an arm or a limb. For the life of me, I thought I had latched onto Gracie. Neither of us really felt like sleeping in the tent that night. We both slept in the truck. I laid back the front seat, and Gracie sprawled out on the bucket seats in the back. Surprisingly, she was sawing logs about an hour after we locked the doors. I guess we all handle these traumatizing experiences differently. My mind was racing too much for me to sleep at all. Just when I was about to fall asleep, a noise had my eyes wide open. It sounded like hands rubbing on metal. You know, the sound you get when you rub your fingertips on a smooth, metal surface. I stared up at the headliner, too afraid to look directly out of the windows all around us. Call me a pansy, but that experience from earlier had me terrified. The sound seemed to be circling us. I think someone was gliding their hand along the outside of our truck. This happened for at least two hours. The noise never stopped, not even a moment of rest. Yet Gracie slept peacefully in the back seat. It had to be about three in the morning when the sound suddenly stopped. I kept staring up at the headliner, waiting for the sun to come up. I don't know why I didn't just drive off. I couldn't even raise up in my seat out of fear of seeing something outside of my windows. As soon as daylight broke, before Gracie even woke up, I started the truck and drove home. I told her what had happened that night, and she didn't question my story. I think we were both glad to be away from there. We haven't been back to Lake Washita since. I can find dozens of other ponds and lakes and pools to swim in if I ever need to cool off but there's no way I'm going to put our lives in danger just to get away. A few things still worry me, though. Like, what would have happened if that thing never let Gracie go? And what was circling my truck that night? Worst of all, when we got home and finally stepped out of the truck after that long drive, I immediately checked the paint for any marks. All around my truck was a straight line of three finger trails and dozens of handprints. No, not hand prints. There were three fingers on each print, and each of its fingers was half the thickness of Gracie's, but they were three times the length. I hope to God someone was playing a prank on us. I don't see how they could have without us seeing them, because if this wasn't a prank... Then there's something stalking Lake Washita. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the U.S., each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode in Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, 
with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Number 3. Lake Monster Attacked Our Boat Submitted by Omni Multi Growing up a fisherman, you spend a hell of a lot of time out on the water. Ever since I could remember, my dad took me out on the water at this lake near my childhood home every weekend. It was beautiful. It was so still. Rolling mountains on either side. Whether I caught something or not, just being able to let the water rock our boat while I looked up at the sky made everything worth it. There is one experience, though, that made me hesitant to go back on the water for a while. It was a gorgeous spring day. The temperature wasn't too hot. I'd say it was an absolutely perfect day to go fishing. My dad and I packed up our tackle boxes and poles and headed out in his single cab Ford. The 20-minute drive was filled with conversations about the biggest bass and catfish my dad had ever caught, the ones that got away, and the girlfriends he had as a rambunctious teenager. When we arrived, surprisingly, there was no one else there. No other trucks or vehicles in the lot or gravel. No boats making waves out on the water. Nobody around. Lucky us. It was too good to be true, especially on a day like that. We got the boat in the water as soon as possible. Before I knew it, Dad was on the trolling motor searching for a nice, lively spot along the banks. We tried out a few spots, each looking pretty promising. The bugs were flying all over the logs and tree roots that had dipped into the water by the banks. Staying put and fishing for about 30 minutes at each spot, we came up empty-handed each and every time. This was odd, to say the least. We never even saw a fish, snake, or turtle coming up out of the water or snapping at the insects. We tried a couple more spots, and still there was nothing. I could tell Dad wanted to call it quits. The day was warming up more than he thought it would, and both of us were starting to get pretty sweaty. 
It was tempting to jump in the water and cool off. I'm glad I didn't. Not a moment later, I noticed a large inky blackness in the water in the middle of the lake. It had to be about 50 or so yards away from us. Dad, I pointed at it. Do you see that? Mm-hmm, he nodded. We were both thinking the same thing. A shit ton of fish all flocking to the center of the lake. I don't know why they were out there, but this was our ticket to a big payday. Dad accelerated us out quickly, then killed the motor about halfway there so that we weren't right on top of them and being loud as possible. Eventually, we were almost right over the shadowy mass. Those... Those weren't fish. That wasn't fish. The whole thing moved as if it was one mind, one being. The edges tapered off into longer, thin pieces. I honestly had no idea what I was looking at. I was already starting to freak out. What is that? I breathed to nobody in particular. Fuck if I know, my dad said under his breath. We watched as the mass got darker and bigger. The thing started to rise. And there we were, hovering right over it. Dad, Dad, go, go! I couldn't help but scream. He was already on the motor as soon as he saw that thing coming up. He sped the boat out of there as fast as he could. He was headed toward the dock. It was a mile down where we had originally got in the water. That was too far away. The black mass was still coming up. It must have been unbelievably huge. It had to have been 30 or 40 yards in diameter, not to mention it was coming right at us. There was no way we could make it back to the loading area. Dad must have figured the same. He turned a hard right toward the bank closest to us. I don't think he cared if we crashed right into it. Whatever got us out of the water, I guess. We were maybe 15 feet away when the boat flew out from under us. I was underwater for a few seconds. I swam to the top as quickly as possible. My dad was climbing up on the shore and the boat was capsized going underwater. When I looked down, all I could see was blackness. That thing, it was all around me, swallowing up the water and damn near the edge of the bank. I swam for my life, kicking and screaming and hoping against hope that that big black thing didn't swallow me whole. As soon as I felt solid ground, I yanked myself up and I ran. My dad was already up there waiting for me. He held onto me and we both watched as our boat disappeared into the dark mass. We walked back to the truck, shaky as hell, wondering exactly what we might have seen that day. It took us nearly a year to gather up the courage just to drive back out there. People come and go from that place a hundred times a day, and never have I heard anyone speak of something like what we saw. I am so glad I made it back to dry land in time. Number 4. Creature from the Lake Submitted by World Mysteries This happened, I think, back in 1999. My friends and I partied all the time, and one of our favorite places to get drunk was at this small lake down some back road in the boondocks. This was in Oklahoma, by the way. It was a weekend in the summer, we all had time away from college, so we decided to take one of the guy's RVs and go camping. 
The RV itself was so nice, really spacey. I think his parents had bought it. They were pretty loaded. Anyway, the five of us drove out to the camping site, which was weirdly empty. I thought we'd see the place packed. It was a decent temperature that year, after all. The night we got there, we started a fire, roasted some marshmallows, and had some beers. The guys played a drinking game, where they'd throw rocks at the trees one by one, and if they missed, they had to chug a whole beer. Yeah, they were easily amused. Anyway, eventually the guys were sleeping or passed out in the RV after getting too drunk, and me and Amy, the other girl, just stayed up talking into the latest hours of the night. I just couldn't get tired, and this was the first time the two of us had really hung out one-on-one. -on -one. At one point, she shushed me. She pointed directly behind me, asking, Did you hear that? Look over there. I thought she was joking or tricking me. I turned around to look where she was pointing, and sure enough, there was a silhouette that looked like a person's upper body leaning over from behind a tree, looking at us. Holy shit, I said smiling. That scared the hell out of me. Same here. I thought someone was standing there, she laughed. We both stared at it. It didn't move, whatever it was. It was so inhumanly still that we both knew it had to be an oddly shaped part of the tree. It was probably just one of the guys playing a trick on us. Sarah, get back here, Amy whispered at me. No, I want to check this out, I whispered back. I stepped closer to the disfigured tree, but no matter how close I got to the thing, it didn't move. That's so weird, I muttered under my breath. Just before I turned to walk back, the fucking thing shifted. It pulled away from the tree and bounded off, jumping into the lake after running about 30 yards in the opposite direction. It scared the hell out of me. I couldn't make out any details. It was too dark. I turned toward Amy to ask if she had seen that, but the sight of her with her hand over her mouth told me everything. We both ran into the RV and locked the door. All three guys were inside, passed out. The next day, the four of us, except for Amy, who wasn't feeling too well, walked down to a bed of shell next to the lake to fish. It was right on the other side of the lake, and at this part we could see the RV from the edge of the water. We all cast out our poles and hoped we'd catch something. A couple of hours passed and a few of us got a nibble, but there was nothing big enough to keep. I had given up and sprawled out on a blanket to get some sun when Craig started yelling about something. I pulled the sunglasses from my face and sat up. He was pointing over toward the RV. Now, this was in the middle of the day, and the trees next to the RV were too sparse and thin to cover up much. So, I could see, and in vivid detail, what he was going crazy about. This thing had scales covering it. They shimmered every time the light hit them. It was a green-blue, almost like the color of clean, fresh water. It was at least four feet tall, standing on four legs. The way it walked made it look extremely heavy. Probably six or seven hundred pounds, I'd have to say. We were pretty far away, and this thing still looked big. It walked over to the RV and sniffed at the door. Then, it took its front claws and raked them across the door. You could hear the metallic scratch from where we were. It was trying to get inside the RV. Amy was inside there. 
I didn't know whether it'd be faster to run around the lake or swim right through, but one of us had to get back over there and scare the thing away. Before I took off, the creature had somehow gotten the door open. It climbed inside the RV. I covered my mouth with my hands and waited to see what would happen. All was still for a moment. Then I could see the window to the bedroom area open up at the end. Amy crawled out and landed on the ground screaming. She backed away from the RV, still staring at the window she had crawled through. That thing then ran out of the door and ran around the RV toward Amy. The moment it rounded the corner, she jumped back and screamed again. Then it ran at an insane speed into the lake. Holy fuck, I heard one of the guys breathe. They all three looked exasperated and pale. That wasn't the end of it. The moment we saw a silhouette in the water coming toward us, we all took off, abandoning the poles and tackle we had brought with us. We turned back a few times as we ran, but we never saw anything come out of the water. Amy was the most shaken by this experience. She told me afterward what happened when the thing walked in on her. She said she had fallen asleep, and when she opened her eyes, this scaly thing was standing over her. She damn near jumped out of the window. She says sometimes it keeps her up at night, wondering what would have happened had she never woke up. Number 5. Freshwater Monster Submitted by Washcloth Beware the waters of this planet. They are as vast as they are deep. Man may never know the true magnitude of the oceans and lakes of the world. Forgive my artsy introduction, I had to say it. The following experience has really confirmed for me how small I am, how small we are compared to the world, and just how uncharted the entirety of the Earth really is. You'd think that, by now in 2016, we'd have been able to capture pictures of everything and anything that had escaped us before, like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. Surely, if one of these things existed, we'd have photographic proof, right? This is what I once thought, but I now know how freaking wrong I was. That was a terrible, shallow way for me to think. Now, on to my experience. I was a freshwater diver. It was a hobby. I wish I could have been doing it for a living, but what you gonna do? Every weekend, if I had the time, I would head out with a friend with my boat and dive for a couple of hours. We would go out to whichever deep ponds or lakes we could find, and we'd take turns using the expensive-as-hell diving suit we had mostly bought. A lot of it we actually had to fix or make up with our own fixtures. All in all, the suit worked perfectly. The tank held well. The airline didn't leak. It was everything we needed. This particular day, I had actually remembered to bring my camera. We had a lot of stuff to pack when we did this, so it was far too easy to forget that damned waterproof camera we had. We found an especially large pond. It was pretty much a lake. It was really muddy, but that didn't keep me away. Anyway, once we had the boat unloaded and we hopped inside, we drove toward a shallow area on the opposite side that seemed clearer than the rest. It seemed promising enough. I was first up. I pulled up my mask and goggles and dropped in. The water was as murky as I thought it would be. 
I'd say I was only able to see about five yards in front of me. There were no fish at the top, but I was sure to see something as I swam further down. Everything was a tint of brown. The further down I went, the less light broke through the muddy water. I followed the bank, gripping onto roots and rocks that jutted out to pull myself down. It was way easier than just kicking and pushing myself lower. I made my way slowly to deeper water. I kept my eyes open, looking for any interesting formations or curious fish. I saw nothing out of the ordinary, though. I could feel the pressure on my body. I think I was about 10 yards down, but I pushed down further. I wanted to see everything I possibly could. Hell, if I could hit the bottom, that would be amazing. It was starting to get pretty dark. In my left hand, I had my waterproof torch, so I clicked that on and looked around. My stomach turned when I saw it. Black, scaly skin. It almost looked like a shimmering wall, but it must have been from a fish of some sort. It was right in front of my face. The thing was huge. So big, in fact, that despite the light, I could not see the head or the tail of it. I wasn't sure if I was staring at its midsection, but it was thick and tall. When I looked closer, I could see that the thing was moving. I wanted to swim upward back to the boat, but I was starting to feel more excited than anything. Eventually, its visible body began to thin, as if the tail was about to come up. I readied the camera for the tail of whatever this thing was. Finally, it came, then stopped directly in front of me. This wasn't the tail. The creature must have been backing up, because I was locking eyes with this thing. Its head was narrow and long, with a mouth opening and closing, revealing hundreds of teeth about the size of my fingers. I believe it was staring at me, those big black orbs with cloudy gray fixtures in the middle of them. It looked exactly like an eel, but this was the biggest living thing I had personally ever seen. Slowly, being sure to not make any sudden movements, I pulled up my camera and took a picture. I tried to shine the torch on it, but I would just have to wait and see what would show up on the photo. I looked closely at it, and it seemed it was floating ever closer to me. I had to get out of that water, immediately, but if I kicked too hard or swam too fast, this thing would think of me as food and nothing else. Keeping myself from floating up, I held onto the rocks and roots again. I ascended as slowly as possible, my back now facing the eel-like thing. Every inch closer to the surface was a relief. It seemed to take an eternity, but eventually I was only a few feet from the top. Summoning my courage, I looked over my shoulder to peer down where I was. I wanted to see if the thing was still there. This creature was right behind me still, but closer, its snout almost touching my shoulder. Seeing that, I freaked out and almost jumped out of the water. I clambered into the boat, all the while my friend yelling, wondering why the hell I was so panicky. I told him to get us back to shore as fast as he could, and I would tell him. And I did. I asked how he didn't see something so huge and dark just below the water. He said he was texting someone. Figures. Even worse, though, when I had the picture developed, it was all black. I guess it was too dark for the camera to pick up on anything. But ever since that day, I've been way more cautious when I've stepped foot in the water. The sheer size of that creature has made me realize a few things.
No matter how sure we are that we know everything, there will always be mysteries out there. Also, if that thing had been more hungry than curious that day, I believe I wouldn't be around to share this story with you. Don't be foolish. You can't take the deep, dark, foggy waters for granted. There is an undiscovered world below your kicking feet, a world that is far more primitive than our own, and those feet you dangle above it look too appetizing for the creatures below to pass up. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. Thanks. Are you ready for the discussion question? Okay, what is your greatest fear? Mine would be failure. I never feel as if I have enough time to accomplish all of my goals and dreams, and passing away before I'm successful scares the hell out of me. Oh, and the dark is pretty damn freaky too, especially when there are way too many doors still open. God, I hate open doors. Well, that's it for tonight. I hope you survived it unscathed. There are things just outside our doors, and sometimes there are things far worse in the very same room with you. For hundreds more stories and to hear new uploads the same day they're released, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash darknessprevailsbd. If you have a story of your own, share it with us at darknessprevails.org slash submit and you might even hear it on this podcast and on our channel. Until next time, goodbye, Night Watchers.